Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, we saw an explosion of pop culture news. We'll break down as much of it as we can with a recap of San Diego Comic-Con. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. We also saw The Gray Man on Netflix. We'll review that, and I'll also review Jordan Peele's new movie, Nope. Plus... We'll also tell you what's new in theaters this week, including a dark comic thriller that looks excellent. But first, the first glimpse of the next John Wick movie came out this week, one of many trailers and teasers released at Comic-Con. Have you given any thought to where this ends? The table will never stop. You know this. No one, not even you, can kill everyone. You ready, John? Yeah. The teaser shows John Wick working out, punching a board with his bare fist, classic Wick, intercut with various action scenes showcasing some of the crazy fightings we've come to know and love. His axe throwing is right on target. And we see some new faces. The first voice in that clip was from Hiroyuki Sanada, who you've seen, definitely seen in many things before. I always think of him as Dogen, the leader of the Temple on Lost. We also see glimpses of Donnie Yen, Bill Skarsgård, and the great Clancy Brown, as well as familiar faces like Ian McShane, Lance Reddick, and his uh, Wick's old pal Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Exciting stuff. Nice to get a little taste just to get us primed eight months before the movie comes out. John Wick Chapter 4 opens March 24th, Brett. And they're making a fifth John Wick movie, right? I believe they are. I think they're shooting them back to back, so that'll be fun. Okay. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I I love these John Wick movies. I'm just, I'm scared <laughs> they're going to lose their must where i'm scared that they i don't know that, that they'll eventually drop the ball and make a bad one because the first three are so entertaining and they're so insane and keanu reeves is great but you know he's not getting any younger so nope and it is pretty much the same movie over and over again they've you know they add some stuff to it but it's mostly just him walking like into a warehouse with 20 other guys and killing them all <laughs> Yeah, and it's and he's he looks great doing it, and I just love his his uh, dialogue there. Yeah, that's his catchphrase from this series. Is yeah, yeah, works fantastic. So we are definitely excited about John Wick Chapter Four. Once again, that opens on March twenty fourth. Now, as Jeff mentioned, a slew of trailers and teasers came out of Comic Con. In fact, that there were more than thirty five trailers released so we'll rattle down the list for you here but we do want to pick out a couple of highlights things that we are excited about or perhaps skeptical about and let's start on the small screen with something that makes its debut on august 21st the dream it was clearer than a memory and I heard the sound of thundering hooves. Splintering shields and ringing swords. And I placed my air upon the Iron Throne. And all the dragons roared as one. House of the Dragon, going back to the Game of Thrones world. This takes place 200 years before the events of the series that we watched. And look, say what you will 
about the final season of Game of Thrones. I know it was rushed. It had some spectacular action that often didn't make any sense. And the ending left so many people disappointed. I didn't hate the ending, but I will definitely acknowledge they did not stick the landing on that. So they kind of blew it with that final season and tarnished the legacy. So I think they might have their work cut out for them here. However, it's Game of Thrones and it looks like it's done well. I am excited for it. George R.R. R. Martin, the author, is excited. Too bad he can't get excited about actually finishing the Game of Thrones books, the proper books that the people put so much time and in, into uh, reading and waiting and waiting and waiting for something that looks like it's never going to happen. But are you going to check this out? Oh, yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, I I don't recall thinking anything bad about that final season of Game of Thrones. I like the ending of that show. So uh, I, I, got, I got no ill will towards the series whatsoever. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. And uh, the next one we're going to talk about is uh, Lord of the Rings one. And between that and the Game of Thrones, I keep getting them mixed up. I think I watch both these trailers, but I if there's parts of each of those, if you show them to me, I wouldn't be able to tell you which series it belongs to because it looks, I think it's the same thing, except one's going to be rated R and be much more violent and one's got a little bit more magic to it. But yeah, that's right. The Rings of Power debuts September 2nd. We thought the war at last was ended. Today, our days of peace begin. We thought our joys would be unending. We thought our light would never dim. The skies are strange. You just hear Galadriel, the moment we feared. The Rings of Power. So this is set in the Second Age, thousands of years ahead of what we saw in, well, what was in the original books and what was in the movies. That takes place in the Third Age, and you hear there the voice of a young Galadriel uh, elf who was played by Kate Blanchett in the Lord of the Rings movies. There are a lot of super fans who are losing their minds in a bad way over this show. They say it's, it goes against what Tolkien wrote and they're making up characters and they're make, making it too diverse and it looks like garbage and I hate it already. <laughs> um, Yikes. I'm not entirely... I, I, I'm skeptical because they're, they're essentially piecing this together from the appendices uh, that are in the Lord of the Rings books and the Silmarillion, which was later... It's basically like... It reads more like a, like a history book or a textbook. It's a boring, boring read, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be blasphemous or anything, but I had a heck of a time trying to read that book. But I'm curious to see how they translate it to the screen, because some of the stuff in that trailer looks pretty cool to me, Jeff. Absolutely. Uh, I think the same thing. And we forget that uh, there was a vocal contingent when the Lord of the Rings movies came out because those strayed from the book and Peter Jackson and his, uh, his wife and their other friend who wrote the screenplays with them, they made up a whole, all sorts of stuff for all those movies. And then, of course, the Hobbit movies as well. And so this isn't anything new that's been done that's, you know, like that's never been done before with J.R.L. Tolkien's uh, books or whatever. So that doesn't bother me at all, except for... 
that I don't think, you know, Peter Jackson and his wife and friends made this show and they're, you know, incredibly talented. So hopefully whoever did make all this stuff up actually does know what they're doing. I'm a little bit skeptical. And I think because the movie set the bar so high, like I'll go in just thinking there's no way this show can touch those movies. But so long as it's, you know, even half decent, it looks like it's going to be well worth watching. And I will say this trailer came on when I was in the theater watching Nope this week. And I was like, all right, awesome. We get to see a big screen trailer for the new Lord of the Rings show. And right when it started, there was a disturbance in my row as people were sitting in the wrong seats or whatever. There's assigned seatings and somebody (laughs) couldn't read the number on their ticket, apparently. I don't know. It was a huge distraction. So I missed the trailer because I was uh, like Reader's Digest. I was uh, intrigued by the drama in real life going on beside me in the row. And I was watching that instead. So I missed my chance to see the trailer on the big screen. (laughs) Oh, that's too bad. Hopefully next movie you go to, it'll be there. So in a moment, we're going to continue. Of course, there is a lot of superhero news to come out of Comic-Con. And we'll go through some of that stuff and give you some other highlights from Comic-Con. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We're taking a look at all of the stuff that came out of San Diego Comic-Con, which, of course, is the biggest event in pop culture. They always reveal so much news, so many trailers, like this one from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So, of course, Chadwick Boseman played T'Challa, the Black Panther, the king of Wakanda, the fictional nation in Africa. And in real life, Chadwick Boseman died. And there was, you know, many were calling for the role to be recast because Boseman worked so hard. He took so much pride in bringing that character to life. But they've decided that the best way to honor his legacy is to also kill off the character in the movies, which means there's going to be a new Black Panther, and the speculation was that it was going to be Letitia Wright, who was his sister, Shuri, and uh, turns out she's been a huge pain to work with. She she refused to get vaccinated, and there were other things going on on set, and they ended up having to rewrite the ending because of her absence. She got hurt, so they had to change some things. So uh, we don't know who the Black Panther is going to be. Even she said two days ago, she wouldn't comment on it. She just said, just buy your ticket off it. November 11th and find out. <laughs> but um, I'm excited to go back to Wakanda. Yeah, me too. And the trailer makes it look like, and I mean, it's just a trailer. I might be way off, but watching that trailer, I sort of suspect that they might not reveal the Black Panther until like the very end of the movie. Like that's going to be like, you know, at the end of Iron Man 1, where he goes, I am Iron Man. And then straight to credits, like they might have like no Black Panther for 99% of this movie and then at the end someone puts on the thing and then boom credits I think that might be what they do and then it sort of saves them you know having to have a Black Panther at all in the movie because the logo for the thing is Black Panther's small small type and then big giant font Wakanda forever so I, I think we might we might be about to get a Black Panther movie that doesn't even have a Black Panther in it that's an interesting theory. I dig it, man. You put some more thought into this than I did. But uh, as far as Marvel is concerned, they unva- phase four isn't quite done yet. We've still got um, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, 
on Disney Plus this summer, and then there is a movie out, and then Black Panther wraps up right. Phase Four, and then they so they unveiled the full lineup for Phase Five, and then they even teased Phase Six. They they told us that the Phase Six will end with two Avengers movies: Avengers: The Kang Dynasty and Avengers: Secret Wars. So. I don't really know much about the Secret Wars. I don't know much about Kang. I'm just kind of learning as we, we met Kang and Loki, and I guess we'll see. Right. I think we're, we next see Kang in Ant-Man Quantumania in February. So uh, that should be interesting. And, yeah, and I don't know much about any of it either, but I am, you know, heartened. Uh, I, I talked about it in my Thor review a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad now just to know that, oh, they do have some sort of elaborate overarching plan uh, because, you know, a lot of the complaints about this Phase 4 has been like, well, what's the point? Where, where is any of this going? It hasn't all been obvious. And, I mean, in the first three phases, not every single movie obviously was pointing towards Endgame or whatever, but there was, you know, the overall vibe and the stingers at the ends of those movies that were pointing towards it. We haven't seen a lot of that in Phase 4, so that knowing that they do have a, a, a master plan that's going to take us into, what was the dates on those Avengers movies? 25? Next three years? Yeah. They got it all planned out, so it's... You know they're good at that sort of thing, and uh, I've, I've it's restored some of my faith in uh, where the MCU is heading. And they've it's it's I think it was widely known that Daredevil was going to come back, but they confirmed it in at Comic Con. Daredevil: Born Again is going. I think that comes out in like 2024, though. Uh, but they they already know the number of episodes. Oh come on! Why is my computer making that noise? I guess there's nothing there. Uh, but yeah, there's a, going to be 18 episodes of Daredevil Born Again with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. So that's really cool. But uh, DC also made sure to show up at Comic-Con. They uh, came in with another sneak peek for Black Adam. My powers are not a gift. But a curse. Out of rage. Debuts October 21st. Basically, he's like Superman, but he's not very nice, and he shoots electricity out of his hands, and uh, it's not, you can't tell, is he going to be a hero, is he going to be a villain, or a little bit of both, and The Rock is a superhero. What do you think? Uh, the Rock as a superhero, yes. The Rock as any sort of a bad guy, no, not buying it. He also, you know, basically plays The Rock in every movie. So it was, it's, when I saw the other trailer for this where he's mostly bad, it was just like, come on, who are you kidding? He's going to be a good guy. He was an excellent heel and when he was a wrestler. When he was a bad guy in the wrestling ring, he was <laughs> awesome. He was so good at that. And DC also revealed the first trailer for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I'm an idiot. It's showtime! I don't deserve these powers, if I'm being honest. Like, what am I even contributing? Ow! There's already a superhero with a red suit with a lightning bolt on it. Aquaman is literally huge and he's so manly. And Batman is so cool. And I'm just me. Uh so this debuts on December 21st. The first Shazam, it was a fun movie. It was a much lighter tone because DC was getting complaints for making all their movies so serious and dark. But the first Shazam was fun, and this one also looks like it's going to be fun. Did you see that first Shazam? I did, yeah. And you're right. It, w it was much lighter than uh, other superhero movies in general. And that was fun. It was a nice change of pace. It was something, you know, kind of family. It was like Deadpool, except the whole family could go see it. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And I'm very, I'm 
skeptical but curious to see how this Black Adam movie plays out. I know The Rock has been excited about this for years. And just a couple of other highlights here that we'll point out. Um, we've got a new National Treasure TV show by the looks of it, Edge of Honor. They unveiled the trailer for The Walking Dead, the 11th and final season. Now that they've got a finish line, I might actually go back and, and finish watching the seasons that I have missed. And they also showed a trailer for Interview with a Vampire, AMC adapting the legendary book from Anne Rice for television. So I'm curious to, about that because I was personally not a fan of the film starring Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Do you remember that? Did you ever watch that movie? I did see that. I saw that in theaters, and of course it you know, t- terrified me for weeks on end or whatever. <laughs> it was just too gory for me. But uh, I didn't mind that movie. I think my favorite thing out of that movie, though, was like the Guns N' Roses song that's in it. But <laughs> That's right. There's a Guns N' Roses. And I'll just quickly mention as well, they did. They also showed the trailer for The Sandman, which is a, an adaptation of a very popular and beloved graphic novel. So curious to see how that series plays out. In a moment, Jeff's going to tell you what he thought of Nope, and we'll tell you what we thought of The Gray Man. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're going to talk about Netflix's The Gray Man in a couple of minutes. But first, Jordan Peele's third film topped the box office last weekend with nearly $45 million. Let's talk about Nope. Did you see a UFO in that cloud? Yep. Nope. I ain't never seen nothing like this. Nope. First off, Nope is not a horror movie. It is being billed as one, but it ain't. I know this because I saw it, and I didn't have nightmares, and I am easily scared by movies. Now, there are a couple of jump scares and a couple of grisly scenes, although much more along the lines of grisly in your mind because you know what's happening, not really grisly in terms of the images being shown on the screen. Although there are some very disturbing events. They would be spoilers, so I won't get into it. And frankly, trying to even describe them would be upsetting for me. So it's not a horror in the literal sense of like a slasher movie or something like that or even his previous movies but still some horrific stuff does happen it really is a sci-fi thriller though and it's a good one as we've seen in the trailers and commercials it's a space aliens deal this time around for appeal who brought us the masterpiece get out in 2017 and us in 2019 which did give me nightmares for weeks now we have nope which is set on a horse ranch in california it's home to Haywood's Hollywood Horses, a little company run by a guy named OJ, played by Daniel Kaluuya, and M, his sister, played by Kiki Palmer. They are horse trainers. They hire out their services for Hollywood movies. It's a family business that's been on the go for several generations. Their neighboring property is owned by a guy named Jupe, played by Stephen Yun, who was Glenn on The Walking Dead. He's a former child actor who now runs this touristy Western amusement park kind of thing. He is also the survivor of a horrible workplace tragedy that happened when he was a kid actor on a sitcom in the 90s. This is the grisly stuff I was talking about earlier. Try not to find out anything about that part of the film. Just go in and see for yourself. It's much more exciting that way. So we have these few characters out in the rural California deserty landscape, and this uh, UFO arrives and they have to deal with it. And the theme of the movie is 
somewhere along the lines of people using tragedy or potential tragedy as entertainment and something to profit from. The horse ranchers need money to save their ranch, so they hatch this plan to try to get some real alien footage that they can sell for big money. They enlist a tech guy named Angel from a Best Buy-type store to set up some surveillance cameras, and then the plot sort of goes from there. There are twists and turns along the way, including a couple of very impressive wait-what kind of moments where you you realize what one character is up to and you can't believe it, or something you assume turns out to be something quite different. It's a fun ride in that regard. And I think it really does have some original elements to it, although, again, it's not really my genre, so for all I know, it has been done before, but I don't think so. And a lot of it, especially in the last third, feels like a Steven Spielberg uh, blockbuster, which I, I think was the point. Just some, you know, big summer blockbuster fair that's clear on its stakes and gives you some really impressive spectacle, which, again, you know, ties into the theme, how these characters and then the audience, us, can regard tragedy as entertainment. It's clever stuff. Uh, it's not as sort of on the nose as his other movies. This is a little messier, and to be honest, it could be a little tighter. It's two hours and ten minutes, and I think he could have easily trimmed 20 minutes out of it, especially in the first hour. And while I think the last third is terrific entertainment, it did have some, you know, clunky, slow parts in the first half. But that was on first viewing. I will say I have thought of this movie every day this week since I've seen it. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. And I'm planning to see it again in a couple of weeks. I, I think it'll really play well the second time around when, you you know, you have all the information and know what the deal is with everything. But uh, even the first time around, it was something original, something spectacular at times. Uh, Jordan Peele shot the movie with IMAX cameras. So if that is an option for you, take it, see it in IMAX and say yep to nope. Four couch cushions out of five. Brett. Wow. Glowing review. Now I really yeah. actually want to check that out because um, I'm just not in a race to get out to the theaters this summer. I don't know. I'm just actually spending time doing things outside. I still haven't gone to see Thor yet, so i got to figure that out. Uh, and then I just do all my watching at home on television. I'm definitely not waiting for Thor to show up on Disney+. Plus. I have to see that on a big screen. And now I might add Nope to that list as well. But speaking of the small screen, we both checked something out uh, that's big on streaming right now. Absolutely. It's the number one movie on Netflix this week. It's called The Gray Man, starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery man you guys send in when you can't officially send anyone else. The Gray Man. Lloyd. They got an urgent locate and destroy. That could be fun. The man's got some street cred. You hurt? I mean, my ego's a little bruised. I have something they really want. What's your gut? It's gonna be my funeral you're going to next. You wanna make an omelet? You gotta kill some people. You must be Lloyd. What gave it away? The trash stash. It just, it leans Lloyd. Easy. 
The Gray Man is an action thriller comedy filled to the brim with punching and kicking and shooting and explosions. Uh, Ryan Gosling plays a government-sanctioned assassin of sorts codenamed Six, who suddenly finds himself being hunted by a rogue agent in the CIA and his hired hitman, played by Chris Evans. And it's a cat and mouse mo around the world, mostly in Europe, with a lot of big action set pieces along the way. And I mean, it is mostly big action set pieces, which is good because, as so many Netflix movies before it, The Gray Man is a little thin when it comes to the story and the plot. It's a little reminiscent of the Jason Bourne movies, except that the Bourne movies had the extra story layer of Jason Bourne not knowing who he is or what's going on. Here, everybody's pretty much on the same page pretty much the whole time. And, you know, just because the plot is simple and stripped down, that's not necessarily a bad thing on its own, except that other movies that do that usually offer something else impressive to make up for it. John Wick, as we were talking about before, for example, is a very straightforward, thin plot, but, you know, it more than makes up for it with the insane action style, the gun-fu and the hand-to-hand -hand combat, showing you things you've likely never seen before. The Gray Man does not. While the action is relentless and often very entertaining, it's also kind of by the book and been done before, sometimes even done even better by these same directors. It's the Russo brothers, who are the guys who made the last two Avengers movies and other MCU films like Winter Soldier and Civil War. So in those ways, it's not a great movie, but I think there are two things that save it and make it worth your time. And number one is the acting, at least the acting of the lead characters. Gosling is always good. And who knows, this may end up being his uh, Jason Bourne type franchise, his Mission Impossible or John Wick. Uh, he's capable in the action department and in the one-liner department. We get some insight into the character's past, but there's not a whole lot of characterization there. So he's sort of elevating an underwritten part. Evans is enjoying just dining out on the scenery. He's a crazy bad guy, and he's a lot of fun. I think it's safe to say between this and Knives Out, Chris Evans is trying to shed the Captain America image and try not to get typecast. You can't really blame him for that. He's out to prove he has you know, some range, and this should help a bit. Speaking of Knives Out, Anna de Armas is here as another secret assassin agent and makes the most of a very thin role, as does Billy Bob Thornton, who has a lot of the exposition that he has to spit out, but he's a great actor, so he makes that work. And I'd also point out that Julia Butters does some good work. She's a, a kid in peril for some of the movie. She was the child actor who uh, had a lot to say about everything to Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She stole her scenes in that movie, and I'm glad to see her turning up in other things. All those actors elevating the material, and the movie is so much better off for the good casting there. The other thing the movie really gets right, I thought, it was just how fast it moves from one action set piece to the next. It really feels like it's all eight-minute action scenes with two-minute breathers in between. You don't have time to pick apart the movie while you're watching it because whenever a thought even pops into your head, something blows up or crashes and you're kind of shaken out of your head. Uh, the only time I was watching and actively thinking, this is bad, is when the bad guy, played by Roger uh, Jean Page, was on screen. That poor guy got the worst, corniest, cliche-ridden dialogue since George Lucas wrote a Star Wars movie. I can't imagine it's the actor's fault, although... The directors clearly should have realized while they were shooting that this guy just feels like he's in a different movie altogether. I didn't care for him. His name is uh, Denny Carmichael in the movie. If you've seen it, you know what I mean. Overall, you know, not a great movie by any means, but still pretty entertaining. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't already, especially if you just want some non-stop action. Brett, I'm going to give The Gray Man three couch cushions out of five. Yeah, I... Um... Bang on with the, the bad guy. I thought he was just terrible and uh, had zero personality. I didn't, 
I mean, I didn't like him, so he did his. He accomplished that at least that he was a yeah. a worthy villain. But uh, outside of just being a jerk, I, I had nothing, no interest in that character. Yeah, look, I thought the Gray Man was fun and forgettable. It's a movie that uh, I don't know that I'll ever feel compelled to rewatch. You know, I mean, I like that it was a simple story, decent action movie, uh, decent fight scenes, some pretty interesting camera work. They had lots, lots of speedy and swoopy drone cameras that were flying in and out of the action, which was cool. But I almost think they overdid it and used it too often. Um, but uh, it was still an interesting thing. You know, we're starting to see a lot more of that in uh, TV shows and in movies. I very much enjoyed Chris Evans playing the bad guy. Charismatic and fun. Had some amusing dialogue. We heard some of it in that clip where he says, you want to make an omelet? You got to kill a few people. <laughs> so um, I, I liked how he went in a different direction there. Ryan Gosling, on the other hand, look, I like Ryan, but I felt like he wasn't given a lot to work with in this film. His, his character was so quiet, but holy smokes, he is... Just ripped in shape. I I don't know if this is how he always is or if he got buff for this movie. I hope he didn't do it just for this movie because like a Netflix movie that you know is is at forty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know. I mean, it's the number one movie on Netflix, and it'll probably be a huge hit for the streaming platform. But I don't know. That's all I got. I mean, yeah, sure. Want something mindless and silly? Try the Gray Man. I think I'll give it uh, two and a half couch cushions out of five. It was fun. I just, uh, I don't know, not inspired. Classic Netflix, in other words. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But if they make another one, I will watch it. I would also point out if you want to see really good use of uh, drones in an action movie, the the Michael Bay movie Ambulance, which is out on Prime Video now, I believe. I think it's oh, on that yeah. one. It's out there somewhere. That. Michael Bay knows how to use a, a drone to, you know, maximum effectiveness. Uh, it's good stuff with there. Thanks it's, for the uh, reminder on that. I wanted to see that movie when it came out. I, it lo just looks like a like a classic Michael Bay action movie that does not involve transforming robots. <laughs> so I was hoping he would one day get back to that kind of filmmaking. So, yeah, thanks for the reminder on that. That movie looks fun. In a moment, we're going to tell you about a couple of movies out this weekend that both look super fun. One of them really super fun. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Got to tell you what's new in theaters this week. And yes, we have another superhero movie, but this one's a lot different. I have an owner and he's Superman. Let me just iron that out. They should call me Iron Man. <laughs> no. My dog's the best, but he's not the greatest with other animals. What is new with you, fellow normal dog? I bit the FedEx guy the other day. Who was he working for? General Zod, the Legion of Doom? FedEx. Of course, the Federation of Exes. Not to be trusted. What is taking my owner so long? It's DC's League of Super Pets, a cartoon featuring a team of super-powered animals led by Crypto the dog who belongs to Superman who gets kidnapped. So a bunch of animals end up getting superpowers in the process, and Crypto teams up with them to get Superman back. Impressive voice cast in this. You heard Dwayne Johnson as Crypto. We've got Kevin Hart as Ace, another dog. John Krasinski is Superman. Keanu Reeves is Batman. Olivia Wilde is 
as Lois Lane. Cast also includes Kate McKinnon, Diego Luna, pardon me, Diego Luna, Yvette Nicole Brown, Jermaine Clement, Thomas Middlechurch, and more. Looks fun, getting decent reviews. When one has an abundance of power, they have a certain duty to use that power to... Sorry, you were saying something? How much did you have to drink? I had two toilet bowls and a bidet. Bidet too, which is, which is crazy. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it's like a dog water fountain. Also new this weekend, remember B.J. Novak played Ryan on The Office? He's making his directorial debut in a movie he wrote and is starring in Vengeance. I have a story. Okay. I'm in West Texas, where this family just lost their daughter to an opiate overdose. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. It's okay, it's not someone I was close to. But you flew to Texas for it? Uh, yes. Uh, it was a girl I hooked up with a few times. Her family thought that we were more serious than I did. I've heard so much about you. I've, I've heard, yeah. So Vengeance is a dark comedy thriller about a journalist and podcaster who heads down to West Texas from New York when the funeral he's there to attend becomes a bit of a story. Evelyn just didn't die. She was murdered. What? And the two of us are going to avenge her death. So as like a personal boundary, I don't avenge deaths. So they do this podcast and they, the, the pitch for this podcast is that it's about people making stories up because they'd rather make up stories than just face the truth. But it turns out maybe she was murdered. So now the game is afoot to try to solve the mystery and it is getting solid reviews. You can't solve something like this with a 45. It's the breakdown of society is what it is. Yes, ma'am. I think that's very wise. You're going to need a 12-gauge, a couple of ARs, no. Western yep. Automatic, and no. a sidearm yep. for no. safety. Exactly. I didn't even know this movie was coming until this, like, today. <laughs> when we were getting ready for the show. <laughs> but I want to see it. Yeah, it looks good. It's a, like you said, it's a interesting movie. And uh, what, what's his? Uh, I just forgot his name. I got to scroll back. B.J. Novak. Uh, he was one of the main writers in the early years of The Office. And uh, I mean, he wrote the movie. The guy knows how to write. Uh, worth a look. It's got to be. Yeah. So I think it was around eighty-six percent last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Mm-hmm.